Celebration Adventist Reflections. Now, to discuss character building ideas, here is your host, Dr. Denzi. Hi family, welcome back to episode <laughs> 9 of this season on Ministering to the List of This. This week's title is The Ministry in the New Testament Church. And I would like to thank my wife and my friend Ruth who came and kindly produced some music and so the harmonies in the flutes that you hear in the background come from them and I'm blessed from having participated of that process. It was pretty fun. Now, I would like to share with you the following quote which says... The members of the early church were united in sentiment and actions. Love for Christ was the golden chain that bound them together. They visited the fatherless and widows in their affliction, realizing that a failure to do this will be a contradiction of their profession and denial of their Redeemer. So, Catalina, welcome back. How are you going today? I'm well, thank you. Excellent. So, today, Catalina, I would like to unpack these ideas related to the purpose of the church. When I think about the early church, I think that Christ gives our commission in Matthew 28 to go and do all things that he commands us to do. And then we have spoken previously about this and the fact that this includes the deliverance of the needs of others who have some needs. He left kind of like a master model, like a blueprint of practical Christianity beyond the forms of tradition. We talked about that over and over again in the podcast so far. And then he said that the Holy Spirit, just before he left this earth, that the Holy Spirit will come to give the followers of his uh, power, authority, uh, maybe we could even argue a desire to be witness to all the people across the world. So in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4, it says that Christ promised the Holy Spirit to come and fulfill our lives. So here's the thing. We know that one of the first things done after the Holy Spirit was poured out with great measure was to preach intellectually. So the people were there to spread the gospel. That, mm -hmm. that was a given. So, where do we see the early Christian church meeting the needs of those in need? The needs of the least of these, after the Holy Spirit was poured out with great measure. Can you think of places where we saw that? Or was it all about preaching? I think the importance for us to keep in the context is that the book of Acts is obviously there for the record of this is what the church was involved in. Mm -hmm. As soon as Jesus was resurrected, this is what the Christians of were involved in. When we look at the mindset of how the people thought and what their faith looked like, mm -hmm. I think it's very different to what it looks like today. It was very selfless. There was this unity, not only 
in the mission, but there was also unity in the way that people lived. Um, so all throughout Acts, I think we can really see an interesting concept of what Christianity and what religion looked like. And yeah, like, like we we're talking just before, I think there, there was aspects of preaching, but I think it served its purpose. And mm-hmm. the, the day of Pentecost, I think also it served its purpose in growing the numbers of the church so that mm. they could fulfill all the other needs that were going to come about as a result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I think the ministry increased mm-hmm. in a, in a really great like a massive capacity Mm -hmm. after Pentecost. But I think the Mm -hmm. ministry was still the same before the Holy Spirit was poured out. I just don't think it was really done in the same capacity as it was after Pentecost. But yeah, I think the ministry is always, has always been compiled of preaching intellectually, but also serving the needs of, of the people that, that were seeking help. From what you're saying, it catches my attention that you mentioned the people didn't have these, me focus a lot they became a lot more mm. selfless as if as if any selfish desire vanished from them when the holy spirit came and 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 then mm. as we see in the early christian church is that many people were giving mm. things out they say look i have too much i mean there is no need for me to accumulate let us share let us spread the, the things that we have so that nobody is lacking Mm-hmm. The interesting thing mm-hmm. here in my mind is that they did that within the church, not out of the church. But that's the way I perceived mm-hmm. it in, in the early church. So they made sure that within the ranks, as people were joining the church, you know, the, the apostles were preaching and people were coming in the ranks. Uh, they, they made sure that nobody was lacking anything. And, and so that's rather interesting to me because I wonder what that particular focus means for us today. How do we do that today in our churches? Uh, how do we look after each other in our churches? Do we do that? This beautiful friend of ours, you know him, Freddie, and, and, and in our church locally, mm-hmm. and Freddie always talks about ministering to our backyard first. And I think when he refers to our backyard, he refers to the, to the town. But when I think about that, I mm-hmm. also think our immediate Turf will be our local Seventh-day Adventist church and the people who are there. If somebody's mm-hmm. suffering there, if mm-hmm. somebody's having some need and we're not meeting that, I just wonder, can we then go beforehand to go and meet people's needs outside the church before we can meet each other's needs in the church? I think that that's really important to keep in consideration. Uh, so there's conferences and there's people that employ like Bible workers to go and do you know, work and Arise is very known for that. So they'll have their Bible workers. I mean, they'll have the students that then will go and do Bible work mm-hmm. into different areas. And as I've watched that, you know, because Stevie did it in 2015, as I've watched that ministry, mm-hmm. it has changed a lot. But okay. what I have found is that um, it wasn't, I personally feel, this is totally my opinion, maybe I'm biased because of Acts, but I found that their ministry, their spiritual ministry was not as accepted, maybe it was not as welcomed um, as what it could have been had they done some 
community service work in the areas prior to the Bible workers coming. Okay. Uh, let's say you know that you're going to employ a Bible worker, whether it's through a rise or just independently. If you're going to employ a Bible worker and let's say you organize them for the second half of the year, mm-hmm. if the church was to focus on community service the first half of the year prior to the Bible worker coming to do spiritual, you know, seed planting, however it is you want to, you want to, um, call it. If they were to do community work, I feel that the hearts would be so softened mm-hmm. that when this Bible worker was to come in, the work would just be easier in terms of connecting with people because they would have already known that the Adventist church was doing community work. Yeah. So I feel personally that if you were to cater to people's needs prior to having a spiritual focus, mm-hmm. I think that would just have a better impact and it would just be more welcomed. Even if you did your outreach calendar, mm-hmm. according to that, where you focus for the first six months of the year on community service projects yeah. and then the second half of the year rain your evangelistic series yeah. i feel that that would be a much more effective way and a, just a better use of time and resources mm. because you've already gone and done the more important work especially given today's society where everyone is mm. just so guarded and everyone just thinks that you know there's just what are you coming to me for mm. whereas if mm. you can gain that trust and that confidence and build that connection i think mm. you would have better impact on people when you start inviting them to spiritual things yeah my experience even just the most recent experience from going there to the philippines and doing this evangelistic campaign um i obviously the preacher the teacher whatever you want to call it has to prepare and the holy spirit has to be the working in the life of this person and i remember coming back and people asking me so how did it go and i mentioned this is what happened this is how many people get baptized and people say oh that's great you're doing a great job and i was always think well it's not me it's god it's the holy spirit but at the practical level, where the rubber meets the road, I always think, really, it could be me or it could be um, somebody like uh, as great as an evangelist as Doug Batchelor, Mark Finley. And the reality is that you just come, you preach, you live. The true success mm. of an evangelistic campaign or crusade is based on what people on the ground are doing in being the friends that they have to be in ministering to the needs of those in the community because it is through them that -hmm. they see christ all that the preacher comes to do is Mm -hmm. deliver a set of doctrines which are very important but if they don't see christ beforehand they won't feel attracted to come to such meetings so now the holy spirit came and and all of a sudden, like we mentioned, these people uh, in the early church, they started to minister to the needs of this within themselves and, and uh, out and about. I have a question here. Did they start to minister to the needs of those in their time because the Holy Spirit came and they have this eager desire, like the Holy Spirit kind of like reformatted their brain and said, like, now you have to go and do this. Or did they already had that desire and they had a desire to be Christ-like and henceforth that influenced the fact that the Holy Spirit came in their lives? I think, it, you know, based on what we've already touched, I think it, they already saw Jesus' example. And right. Jesus' example was that he was active in ministry and active in preaching and active in service. Mm-hmm. And by seeing Jesus' example, I think the Holy Spirit just magnified that that desire and it probably opened their eyes to really understanding what the gospel was in its fullness Mm -hmm. it wasn't just preaching Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just healing it was Mm -hmm. both 
I think when you come to that understanding, when when you see Jesus' full ministry and also what he does for each one of us, his healing is not just intellectually, his healing and, and everything that he did, he wasn't just preaching truth, but he was also healing our brokenness. And he, he does that on a very practical way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they probably already saw it. And I always think of Jesus' example, like people knew who he was. Mm-hmm. They had heard mm-hmm. of what he had done yeah. throughout the country. So I think that that is something that's really important for us, that people should know who we are as Seventh-day Adventists and who we are individually as Seventh-day Adventists. They should hear of the good works that God has called each one of us to do so that when people meet us and engage with us, they would be like, oh, okay, you're, yeah, I've heard about you. Great. So here's the thing. I believe that we all have a measure of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, I mean, you and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be doing this podcast reflecting on Christ's uh, related matters if we were not impressed by the Holy Spirit. But I know, mm-hmm. at least in my life, that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to the measure of the Pentecost hasn't happened right now here with me. Does that exclude me then from helping those in need? So if I were to say, look, there's these guys in the early church, like they were doing, they were on fire for God. I don't feel like mm-hmm. that. Therefore, I'm not going to go and do this ministry. Do I have to wait for the latter rain that we all talk about? And some people say, no, the latter rain is already putting and trickling down already, whatever. But it's not there yet fully. Do I have to wait until that full cup of the latter rain comes in my life for me to go out and do all these things? I'm going to be like really bold and say that if that is your mindset, then I think I think you may never get the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, I think if your comprehension of ministering to people, and also I think if you understand the Holy Spirit in that way, that, oh, I don't have any Holy Spirit until I have a Pentecost moment, mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, you, you might be waiting for a really long time. I would encourage everyone to just read their Bible and to really be thorough in the purpose and the, the function of the Holy Spirit. And when you look at the purpose of, of how he works in our lives, that trickle or maybe that, you know, that small amount of Holy Spirit, it only gets built up the more that we live a life following the Spirit's um, guiding. So I would encourage those that even if you feel like you don't have a Pentecost yet and you've been praying <laughs> and praying for it, to continue whatever little things that God has called you to. Mm. Um, I believe too that the Holy Spirit is is always there to challenge us. Mm -hmm. And I feel that if we reject a challenge or if we reject the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I feel that he's just going to patiently wait until you're willing to accept that challenge. Um, I compare it to like having a three-course meal. Mm -hmm. Like your entree comes out, but you don't get your main until you finish your entree. And then you don't get your dessert until you finish your main. And I believe that ministry and the Holy Spirit and just our spiritual walk is the same. Mm-hmm. Once God has us at the entree, he's not going to bring the meal until we've gone to a position where we're willing to trust him, we're willing to surrender, and we are willing to step forth in faith um, at the dessert. And once mm. we show that and once we, we demonstrate that we are willing to trust him, then he'll bring out the next the next challenge or the mm-hmm. next area of growth for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe with the Holy Spirit, it's the same. Okay. We're faithful with the least, then he knows he can trust us with bigger things. With bigger, Yeah. As we do that, it won't be a smooth walk. It won't be like a walk in the park. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You're still going to have hardships. We talk about that in previous episodes. So, Amen. Uh, yeah. So I'm not going to go back to that, but 
we have examples in the early church when that happened. And one of the ones pointed out in this week's study is that one of Dorcas, who was mm-hmm. sorely missed because she died. I mean, she was sick and she died. Now, she was sorely missed because they missed Dorcas herself. And maybe we could argue that that was the case. Or because they missed seeing Christ in her. So, in fact, whilst mm-hmm. they missed her in her acts of kindness, could it be possible that what they felt attracted about her was Christ, who was reflected in her by the power of the Holy Spirit? And this is important mm-hmm. to me at a personal level, because at the practical level, I just wonder, I couldn't but wonder and reflect on the idea that, hey, Daniel, when you die, will my community... Mm-hmm. Will my community mourn because they're missing seeing Christ in me? Because, mm-hmm. hey, you know, where, where is that guy? What about you, my dear listener? Mm-hmm. Would people sorely miss you because they are missing seeing Christ in your community today? Let us reflect on that aspect. Now, the church preached the gospel. The time came when they couldn't meet the needs of their own church community any longer because they grew so much. There were too many people to minister, even within the church. Why couldn't they meet the needs of the people at the basic level? Why did they start to have discords about, hey, you know, this is not fair. The distribution is not good enough. I'm not getting as much as you're getting, etc., etc., etc. I think as I looked at that example where, you know, that the widows were getting fed different amounts of food, mm-hmm. I I mean, for me, like I'm a deaconess at a potluck. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I know like, you know, when my girls come through or if someone that I know likes a certain dessert, like I'll be totally honest, let me confess, I will give them like a decent amount. So I can see how that would happen or how people would perceive, oh, you know, Catalina gave Daniel extra pudding or something like that. Mm -hmm. I can see how people would perceive that. Sure. And I think maybe within the growth of the church, there was inconsistencies that people were picking up and whether they were picking it up with judging the wrong motives of the person as why they did that or whether it was truly the fact that the people sincerely just wanted to give their own people more food. So I do think that it comes down maybe to the aspect of, you know, maybe they weren't sincere in the reason why they gave more food to one, you know, to some widows and not to the other. Um, And maybe Mm -hmm. it was purely just people just were a little extra sensitive and they were just seen reading into things more than what they should. I suppose at the end of the day when there's divisions within the church, We have to address the reasons why they're causing the division. We might not understand the full motives Mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. to why it is, but I suppose at the end of the day, they didn't ignore the fact that the problem was there Mm -hmm. and they were willing to address it and they tried to find a solution for that problem. That's probably the important aspect of that. There was issues, but they didn't sweep it under the mat and they Mm -hmm. didn't ignore it or they didn't tell people, oh, you're just overreacting. They said, all right, let's fix it. How can we fix it? Mm -hmm. And I think great things happen even as a result of that adversity. I like what you said about the idea that they didn't sweep it under the mat. They actually put their heads together and with the help of the Holy Spirit, they say, what are we going to do now? And that's when we start seeing that idea of church organization. And a -hmm. lot of people, I included in previous in previous ways of thinking in my life, have questioned the idea of, hey, you know, why do we have to be organized? Everybody to their own, freelancing, uh, let us not come together in one body. Because sometimes there's there are restrictions that might come with church organization. But church organization, it sounds to me, was there because there was a necessity to have that organization. 
And so they started to appoint these deacons and then they say, you're going to be a deacon. You're going to do this. And I'm, we're going to continue focusing on preaching the gospel. So this is the thing. There's a couple of things that come to mind when I think about this organization in the early church. One, if there was an appointment of deacons to serve the tables, to visit the widows, to make sure the orphans are fed, does that mean that I have to be a deacon to do that? Because, hey, you know, there are deacons mm. out there. They were appointed for that. They they accepted the job. They were ordained mm-hmm. in my church to do that. Why do I have to do it? I've, I've been asked to be the whatever, you know. I've been asked to be the the lawnmower of the church. So that's not my job. The deacons are doing their own stuff. And number two, the apostles say, hey, you know, you guys are the deacons. You're going to be ministering to these people. We're going to focus on preaching does that mean that, hey, you know, if I'm appointed as the elder or I'm the pastor, I am having an exception. I'm having a free ticket. You are not ministering to those in needs because your ministering only is to do with the teaching and the preaching. We could argue is ministering to the needs of those people spiritually, but that's out of the context of what we've been talking about most of the time in this quarter's lesson, which is about feeding the hungry, clothing naked, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think about this? We have to be sensitive to people's strengths and to the talents and gifts that God has given different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you mentioned, there are people that will never preach. Does that mean that they don't have anywhere that they can be a valuable part of what our church is and the organization of the church? No, it just means that for whatever reason, whether they're not comfortable preaching, whether they don't like preaching, whether they don't feel a calling to preach, whatever it is, mm-hmm. if we can then connect them in and tap into some other area where there is their strength, then let us let us put them there so that they can contribute to the church, they can be part mm-hmm. of the church, and they can own uh, their experience as well in the church. So I don't think that's an issue. I think maybe they were given those deacon, deacon positions for the very reason that maybe that is a strength that, that the disciples could see. Mm. And I said, you know what? I think you guys would be the best in this position. I know, you know, and we've both worked within church leadership, and we know when we can see the strength of people. Mm-hmm. Um, we know when we're like, wow, that would he would make a great deacon, mm. um, or she would make a great Sabbath school teacher. Um, we, we, can, we can see that, and I don't think that's a divine thing. I think just anyone can see when people's strengths are. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that that's a concern, but I think at the end of the day, we're all called to be disciples. Mm. And when we have a look again at the example of Jesus's ministry, yes, Jesus preached, but he also washed feet. Mm -hmm. And whether you're a pastor, an elder, a deacon, a deaconess, whatever Mm -hmm. you are, your example is always going to be Jesus. Mm -hmm. Whether you're the leader of a department or the director, Mm -hmm. you should still be in in a state of mind and your spirituality should still reflect the fact that you're still willing to wash feet. Mm -hmm. I can't just say, oh, that's not my job. It's the deacon's job. When there's a moment of need, you just do the job Um, because it's just because you don't have the title doesn't mean you can't do the job of someone else. I know when I visit churches, like I still help out in the kitchen and they'll be like, Oh, you don't have to. I'm like, look, I'm a deaconess wherever I go. Like, I'm like, you don't need to put me on your church role or um, put me on a leadership position for me to help. Um, I see my role as just uh, having a desire to help wherever I go. Um, So I think that's a more important type of mindset is that you're called to be a disciple wherever you are Mm. um, and whatever that that is applicable. And that's that's the role that you take on. Yeah. And as we think about this concept, I like what you just said. And I I never thought of it. I I always thought about the idea, you know, I'm an elder 
and I have been ordained a deacon, that I'm a deacon wherever I go. So therefore, I need to be mindful that I am serving my local church, but I am ultimately and firstly and foremostly serving Christ wherever I'm placed. Mm -hmm. So I, I really appreciate that thought. So the church organized for the benefit of the growth of the church to ensure that the needs were met wherever they went and they distributed the work. And at the end of the day, they utilize uh, different talents as they follow Christ's examples. They also recognize some of us have different strengths and, and, and talents and gifts and ways of doing things more effectively. And sometimes we see in many churches today that where there is a lack of somebody who might want, who might have a talent or a gift to, that doesn't want to utilize it. Let us not forget and not worry because God always rises up with somebody mm. who, despite of the fact that he's not the most talented or not the most effective person, he will make them effective and he will make them talented, even though they might not have been the most natural yeah. person. And that's the amazing thing that happens in churches and what the Holy Spirit does in our mm -hmm. churches. Now, as a last point, they organized, it was effective at some level, but organization and church distribution of, of work always comes with obstacles. When you think about this idea, what might be some of the obstacles that having an organized church at times brings when planning to meet the, the needs of others? Why do we, for example, where the rubber meets the road, why do we keep on opening independent ministries if the church is already organized? And it's a sensitive issue, but it interests me because that's reality. From my experience, from the people that I associated with, when, when people, you know, break away and they start their own group, usually it's because there's a level of spirituality that everyone has. They have a bar. And okay. When you have five, ten people who have that same bar of spirituality, whatever it is that that might look like, mm -hmm. then you will often get people that are going to get discouraged because the church isn't, you know, living to its full truth and they're not being the light that they're supposed to be and, you know, they're in apostasy or, you know, whatever it is. So I think that might be an issue that sometimes people are put into leadership positions and other people are like, oh, they're not, you know, in the right place spiritually. Maybe they don't think the same. Um, so I think one of the biggest things that comes with organization that I feel I have found and experienced is that people have you on like this pedestal and they have very high expectations. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I think that's quite negative because if we were to put anyone on a pedestal and try and sift through all their negativity, I don't think anyone would be put into a leadership position. So I do believe with organization comes a high expectation from the members, mm -hmm. um, which I don't think are realistic. And if we were to really put that through, I don't think anyone would be in a right position spiritually to be in a leadership position. They're always going to have flaws. So that might be one issue. The other issue is probably the fact that sometimes you can't get many people to do stuff. So sometimes it's very repetitive. You have like the one person in like four, five, six roles. And then people can see that as, you know, people taking over and um, they're not letting other people in. But sometimes there's just no one else to fill that mm. spot. And there is someone that is actually willing to take that position. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're probably the two biggest issues that I've seen that have come through with regards to organization and stuff. Okay, excellent. Yeah. And one thing that also came to my mind, and I have seen that this is different in many places across the world, uh, is that in some of our Western societies, there is so much red tape that you have to cross. 
There is there are so many mm. legal obligations, litigation precedents, and fear yeah. at the corporate level and organizational level that we're gonna mess up somehow. And therefore, that idea that Catalina had to do something to minister to those in need, I'm not sure we need will support it at the board level because I love my house and I don't want anybody to come and take my house that I have paid for the last thirty years. You know, yeah. So it becomes, if someone dies or gets injured at that event, no. Yeah, yeah. And so I love when I go to the to other countries when nobody cares in a way, you know, when I was there in the Philippines, somebody yeah. was changing a light bulb like about six meters above the roof. And all of these guys literally holding this guy, changing a light bulb for our evangelistic auditorium, holding him who is climbing on the shoulders of these guys and holding them in their arms to change this light bulb. And it was really high on top of a platform. And you're thinking like, hmm, not sure if the church board will approve that in Gingy. <laughs> they start mm -hmm. thinking, you need a ladder, you need a scaffold, you need all these things around yeah. because you fall, you're going to sue us. And unfortunately, some people have done that. So there is that quarrel, mm -hmm. there is that perception of people and the ideas that that um, unfair distribution of the work. Sometimes there is lack of desire to work in the church. And then in some countries, we don't have those uh, legal obligations. And so sometimes we go out of our way and say, look, I don't want my church to be in trouble. And I know that I don't want to put mm -hmm. them in a, a space where they will feel pressure to do this. Let us gather together and do this on our own so that we don't get held back. Not because people don't want us to do the work, but because it might be perceived mm. as too risky. Mm. And that's where, when you think about it, that's when ministries like Acts really started. We, I remember we had these meetings about, should we be part of the church, not part of the church? And we're part of the church. We never hidden the mm -hmm. fact. But I think most of us agree that let us keep it on the outside somehow, because it will be easier for the church. And it will be easier. I mean, yeah. we have no, we yeah. don't have to give accountability to the church as such at that level, if that makes any sense. However, let mm -hmm. us face the fact that for those people who think, yeah, that's right, we need to live and we're going to do our own thing. I do encourage that. In my opinion, you have like-minded people who want to do something together to some level or another. Do that. Don't get held back by the red tape. That's the reason why a lot of independent ministries mm -hmm. are there, as well as maybe perception for higher or lower levels of spirituality. But don't get held back. But if your ministry or your little organization becomes a bigger organization, you'll have the same red tape as one point or another. So I guess what I mm -hmm. wanted to say is let us just be mindful that our church is beautifully organized. The Seventh-day Adventist church was recent as a movement that became organized. And unfortunately or fortunately, whatever you, however you want to see it, we do have to follow some Caesar's laws. As far as it doesn't compromise mm -hmm. our faith, our doctrinal beliefs based on the scripture. Otherwise, let us not be necessarily rebels for the sake of being rebels. Let us be together and ministering together and encourage the church to have that vision to serve others and not quit the church just for the sake of I'm going to serve others, but I cannot do it with my church. Therefore, I'm going to do my own little independent group so that I do whatever I want to do. Catalina, do you have any final remarks about that or anything else that you would like to share or, or thought of on these ideas? You know, even with Acts, we're not very organized or structured, but I could see that if there was to have a lot of growth, you'd have to go down that, that path. So mm. when we have a look at the reason why the church became organized, it was because they had to address 
problems that were arising as a result of their growth. I think at the end of the day, you know, the motives and the intentions as to why the church became organized is very practical. There wasn't this, oh, if we do this, then we can control everyone. No, and it came for a reason. And I think for people that work in businesses, we can understand that that's that's the reason why why they did that. So, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Okay. Do we have somebody, Catalina, who is on fire for Christ? Who, where, what, and why are they doing this, if you know, that is ministering to those in need somewhere around the world? So it is the Gaddon Seventh-day Adventist Church this week. Okay. Uh, so they are in Australia. Okay. And uh, they have a ministry called Kitchen Connection or Kitchen Connect. And uh, they basically, from the little bit that I heard, I heard of them quite a few years ago. And honestly, okay. I was like, Lord, I would love to do that. Okay. So they started, it's, I think they do some sort of food pantry, but I think mainly what they do now is uh, just they provide a meal. So mm -hmm. it's a three-course meal. Um, and they provide it just to anyone in the area and it's completely free. And I know that when I listened to one, I watched one of their videos many years ago, um, they started it because they want, they had a lot of backpackers in that area, mm -hmm. uh, whether they come through for picking, I'm not too sure, but they had a lot of backpackers. So they decided that they wanted to just provide a free meal for backpackers. And we all mm. know that backpackers like a, like a free meal. Yeah. I mean, they're, oh. they're living on a tight budget as they're traveling around. Yeah. Um, so they started doing that. So now if you go and have a look on their Facebook page, right. um, which is the Garden Seventh-day Adventist Church, they actually have at least a 100 people that they feed. Wow. So that's on a Monday and a Wednesday night. Yeah, at least. Like oh, there's probably more, but I don't want to exaggerate because I have a reputation of exaggerating, but it would have <laughs> to be at least a 100 people. And wow. what I really liked about the way that the church has done this ministry is they've actually approached local, local farmers mm -hmm. to get the produce from local farmers. And okay. so then they use their produce to sustain and maintain and uh, so the, the farmers donate the produce and they actually did a video of just giving thanks to the farmers uh, which was really cool so the farmers got a little chance to just show you know what they give and, and how that contributes to the running of the kitchen oh, connect nice. um, and then this in September I think it's 14th I was trying to find the date I couldn't find it, but I think it's September 14th they're actually doing a big like street feast Oh. So they are setting up, I, I'm assuming like on their street, they're mm -hmm. just going to put tables out and just feed everyone actually on the street. And it's just going to be opened as, as a bigger event. And they've had a lot of really positive publicity mm. through their local newspapers um, and things like that, because they've obviously been, I think they've been, I think they've been running for like four years now. Um, wow. So yeah, they've, they've definitely built a reputation for themselves and for what they do. That's so exciting to hear. When I hear these stories, It just gives me an eager desire. Like I, I feel compelled to join or do something. And I hope that whoever listens to this feels the same way. And I hope that we just don't feel the same way, but we start thinking, reflecting and uh, mm -hmm. perceiving what, what can I do where I'm sitting? What can I do with the people that I have around me? I invite you to go out and check the Adventist Committed to Serve Facebook page and you'll see in a post that ministry And maybe Google the Gatton Seventh-day Adventist Church, which is located somewhere here in Australia. And once again, it's not a large place. It's a rather small no, place it's not. in Australia, for those of you who are not from Australia. And 
It doesn't matter whether you're in a big city or a small town or a medium place. Christ needs mm-hmm. to be shown to everybody. And that is where you're sitting. So today's challenge, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring it based on these ideas. Today, I would like to challenge you to reflect on what the New Testament church did and maybe reflect on your New Testament church locally. And what is your New Testament church locally is doing to minister to those in need, to bring Christ to those in, in service and in action. And I would like to say that no matter how young or old you are, I challenge you to present your ideas to your church leaders. Start there. To your members, to your Sabbath school class, to your friends, perhaps some of, re- some of them already have ideas about something and they are sitting just like you, listening to this podcast, and they are not brave enough to bring them out into the open. And once you get the courage to do so, they might say, yeah, I was thinking about that too. So I challenge you not to sit back in the pew to warm it up, but to warm up your community by becoming an Adventist that is committed to serve. So that is the challenge. might be a bit loose, but it is very practical if you do it. Yeah, just continue to just brainstorm. The Holy Spirit's going to give you so many ideas. And if you feel overwhelmed by taking the big ideas that the Holy Spirit gives you, then just go with the smaller ideas. But I know he'll definitely impress ideas on you. Awesome. Well, with that in mind, why don't you go and check out, like I mentioned before, the Adventist Committed to Serve Facebook group. There you'll find resources as well and ideas. Catalina has made a set of videos where you can actually go through them as a bit of a series and find out ways that you can start instigating your community where you're sitting, your community of faith, your local church, to be able to serve other people. Until next week, I am Dr. Dancy, and today I choose to love God by embracing church the church that God established with like-minded people in the service that we deliver to those in need. What about you? Remember to subscribe to this podcast, like it, share it, hashtag it, comment, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Tumblr as Adventist Reflections. God bless you.